and welcome in to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. Uh, I'm not very festive compared to Jerry and Joe. I'm the only guy not wearing any team gear, but you know what? I'm in solidarity with Inter. I mean, they they, they couldn't play this past weekend, so uh, it's going to be a very, very long international break for Interisti and for everybody. We'll get to more on that in a second. Of course, Jerry Mancini is here. I think I hit the live button a little bit too soon. He was still preparing his shit over there, and I, I just I went live anyway. Uh, we also have our good friend, very special guest, Joe Fischetti from the Forza Napoli podcast. It's been a while. I think what it took to get Joe to come out of hiding and join us again was a good run of form for Napoli. All of a sudden, they they win three straight games. You know, they beat Roma yesterday. They beat Milan the week prior. Thank you for that, by the way. Grazie, amico, for that for that help. And, and Joe Fischetti is back with us. Joe, how's everything going, man? How are you? It's good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. I Just like how you're being festive with uh, Inter not playing, I decided to do my own Silencio Stampa and the uh, the Cultural Connection podcast. Since De Laurentiis is not letting Gattuso talk to the media, I'm, I'm limiting my uh, media takes as well but no uh, i've been good i've been very busy uh with everything i've got going on definitely happy right now with the, the run of former yeah no doubt about that and you know jerry lazio picked up a victory over the weekend and listen wasn't glamorous but rarely does glamour ever come against udinese because that team drags you into quicksand you know i saw them take points from inter i've seen them grind out some good results this year to escape that game with a 1-0 victory. When you play Udinese, Jerry, a win is a win. You don't count style points. You don't look for four or five nil victories. Any victory is a W. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? Or sorry, this morning, this this evening. I don't know. It depends on what time zone you're watching from. How are you feeling this evening, Jerry? I'm uh, happy that they won the game. I'm kind of shocked that they were able to pull off the victory. I don't think they played bad, but at the same time, in the final third, they weren't convincing. Like, it, it was the same predictable. I think that most of our chances came from Radu with his uh, crosses with his left foot, which resulted all right, but it became predictable. So for Malinkovic Savage, that was his first cross attempt into the box. It was well executed. And I'd like to see him more do this because I think that he has the ability to be an effective player, not just inside the in the goal area, but his ability to, to deliver key passes and get into effective areas, like he showed with um, with Marisic scoring that beautiful goal, where he showed great patience. We were talking offline, me and Stephen Moore from the Laziale, and we kind of came to a consensus. We and him, like. This is probably not a popular take, but I would consider selling Luis Alberto this summer. Really? And I would. I, I would. I think he's peaked with Lazio. Um, he can't take corner kicks. He can't take free kicks. He, he's just not. His delivery is not effective as he once was. Um, there was a play where he elects to take a shot instead of giving the pass to Immobile, where he's inside the goal area and he has like so much space to take the shot. I know that he has uh, well, eight goals this season, and he's been able to deliver some pivotal uh, winners this year or, or tying goals or whatever you want to call it. But I just think that he has hit a level where he cannot give more than what he's already given to this team. Whereas Sergei Malinkovic-Savage 
still has much more to offer for Lazio. Um, both ends of the pitch, he can control the midfield. I feel that if we keep Luis Alberto much longer, we might lose the value of trying to get what we can for him. Uh, I know a lot of people may not see eye to eye with this, but sometimes you need to let go of certain players and you can get probably, I would say, what, 30, 40 million for him. It, uh, yeah, I would hope so. I, I would just, I'm not a guy who knows what the values of players are. I would say, let's say, say 40 million. How, how old is he, Jerry? He's 27, I want to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you could get more than 40 million, I think. So it, it is a bold decision because he doesn't have a, a, an assist this season. But watching every Lazio game and watching the way he plays, I like his attitude and I like his intensity. But sometimes you you just don't get that extra edge from a player anymore. Whereas Malinka Savage, every year, I find that his game is growing in so many different aspects. And that that's the difference I see between Alberto and Savage, where Savage is not a one-dimensional player, whereas, whereas Alberto is one-dimensional, where he's an attacking midfielder. And if he's unable to to produce in the final third, you, you don't get much more from him. So I could be wrong about this, but I, I would consider selling him and maybe reinvesting that money into a guy like Rodrigo DePaul. Ooh would be interesting to see it's a great player yeah no 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 doubt about that i i uh i actually i i feel bad for rodrigo de paul because for what at least the past four transfer windows if not five you know if you think about january and summer this guy has been linked to moves away to various clubs right to to other city ah teams you know i know Inter had been mentioned. Uh, I think Napoli had been mentioned. Juventus, he's been linked to moves to Premier League throughout the years. And yet, this guy just always gets stuck in Udinese, transfer window after transfer window after, after transfer window. I actually, for, for his sake, I would like to see him make a move. Um, I certainly have a lot to pick Joe Fischetti's brain about when it comes to Napoli. First of all, uh, the victory itself. And, you know, Napoli has been very good against Roma uh, this year, taking both matchups. Of course, Roma's struggles against the top six continues. That team has really, really been poor this season when it comes to trying to take all three points from the better clubs in Serie A. And, Joe, I love watching your guy Dries Mertens score. I mean, if anyone has ever tried to start the narrative, this guy's, you know, he's older. He's, he, he's, on, uh, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's finished. Goes out there in bags of brace, including a gorgeous direct free kick goal in that game. He's already the most prolific goal scorer in Napoli history. He adds a couple notches to the bedpost there uh, on Sunday. That was a big win, Joe, and a big game for Mertens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, Like you mentioned earlier, we've been in, in really good form since getting knocked out of the Europa League, which gives Gattuso some vindication because he's been complaining all year about having to play twice a week um, and having the time now to prepare. And also very importantly, we've been getting all of these players back. Now we, we had a really bad run of injuries and I know we don't like to use injuries as an excuse, but we were missing all of our strikers at one point. Uh, you know, we had a game where we started Insignia and Politano in a dual striker role and they're wingers. Um, so we started to get things falling in our favor. Again, we have, uh, Osimhen back. You mentioned Mertens coming back. I actually did a poll on Twitter asking, you know, the Twitter community who they would start between those two, 
Um, and 70%, which I think is mostly Napoli fans that were voting on it, said they would started uh, Victor Osman. So it was a bit, um, I wouldn't say it was surprising. I expected Gattuso to start Mertens because he doesn't like change. We know that. And he's been starting Mertens in, in this run of form that we've been in. So if it's if it ain't broke, why fix it? Um, and it proved to be a, a smart decision. You mentioned the, the beautiful free kick goal. I think Paulo Lopez wasn't at his best. Uh, he's been good lately, but in this game, you know, you should never get beat on your side when you set up a wall on, on one side and the keepers on the other. You shouldn't get beat on that side. It was it was a perfect shot. Um, and I think Napoli's wall in front of the Roma wall kind of blocked his vision a little bit and disrupted the, the shot a little bit. So that was a beautiful goal. And then I was more impressed, to be honest, with the second goal because it was a team goal. It started yeah. with Koulibaly intercepting a pass in the middle of the field a couple of quick passes before Insignia plays across uh, that he used to play to Calejon to the back post. Uh, great play by Politano to unselfishly head the ball back in. Um, I think it was Cristante that got caught and, and didn't pick up Merton's run. And again, Paulo Lopez probably could have done better. So it was a good game. It was a really, it was a good first half. Um, the second half, we weren't great for some reason. I don't know why, Roma didn't press higher in the first half um, because that's the way to beat Napoli, really. If you look at our losses to Milan, to Atalanta, the, if you want to beat Napoli, you press high, you force us to try to play out of the back, which is not our forte, and we make mistakes or we give the ball back. Roma did that after they went 2-0 down, but it was a little bit too late at that point. And, and credit to our guys for defending really well as well. So, you know, as, as far as the importance of this game for both teams, the battle for top four, a huge blow for Roma. Some might argue a death blow. You know, they're five points out of fourth place now on, on 50 points. Atalanta occupies the fourth spot with 55. And now, Joe, in the case of Napoli, very much in the Champions League race. I mean, only two points out of fourth place and a game in hand compared to Atalanta, who offer, you know, who hold the fourth place spot. And yet, you know, when I read the Italian papers, all I see are, you know, who's going to be the next Napoli manager, right? I mean, I see uh, Maurizio Sarri's name mentioned. You know, I, I see uh, Max Allegri. Now, if you could get Allegri, then that I think that is an upgrade. I, I see Gattuso at the moment. I, am, I, am I overreacting to say he probably deserves to keep this job? Now, maybe it ultimately depends on whether it's top four or not, because it, it, it is a tight race. If you fall a point short, it's probably curtains for him. But what's your opinion rating right now on Gattuso? How do you think he's doing? It's it's so hard to say. I think that's the consensus opinion that you just gave uh, for anyone outside of Napoli looking in, where a lot of people are saying, it seems like we're being a little bit hard on this guy. He's doing well enough. I mentioned the injuries. Within the club, within our fan base, it seems like, it's the decision has already been made to move on. Now we'll see that could still change. And already we're starting to feel with these wins over Milan and Roma that Gattuso starting to get a little bit of support again from the fan base. And people are starting to think maybe we should keep him for another year. It's a very interesting debate because it all hinges on whether we finish in the top four or not. Um, you can definitely rule out Allegri if we don't finish in the top four. And even if we do, that's still a long shot. Um, and then when you look at the other options, to me, Sadi's not coming back. I don't think De Laurentiis will bring him back. He rarely, rarely does something like that. 
Um, but it's a it's a very uh, attractive link to click on, right? Anytime you see Saudi in a headline, and I do it myself, I click it every single time, even though I know it's going to be the same bullshit rumor. Then you have to think of okay, who are the other options? And you, the names Spalletti. that are out, sorry, Spalletti. <laughs> you know what? Spalletti has he was linked to the club for a while, but the ones that have been most uh, most linked to, to Napoli are Vincenzo Italiano at Spezia because he kind of feels like another Sadi potentially. You know, Sadi started with Empoli before we signed him, kind of underdog story type of thing. Uh, the Zerbi at Sassuolo is another one, um, plays uh, an attractive brand of football, the same system, so you could basically put him in and and now you're giving him better players, though Sassuolo hasn't been as good as at least um, in the second half of the season as they were early on. Then Ivan Juric, which is a very interesting one, mind you, he plays a 3-5-2, so I, I really struggle to figure out how Juric would make the attack work. If anyone could figure it out, I think he's the guy, but you'd have to balance, you know, Insigne, Lozano, Osimhen, Mertens, you could throw Politano in there as well. It, unless you're going to play Insigne and Lozano or Politano as wingbacks, which is not not the ideal position for them to play it. I don't see how Juric makes it work in a 3-5-2. And you make the same argument with Jerry's boy, Inzaghi, who's recently been linked to Napoli as well. And personally, I don't buy that at all. I think Napoli is just too similar to Lazio right now, at least as far as position in the table goes. So I can't see Inzaghi leaving Lazio to join another team that's like Lazio. He might as well just stay. If he leaves, it's going to be to join Inter or Juve pretty much. Um, for me... I'm so torn about this. I, I think, and sorry if I'm, I'm running on a little bit here, but I think next Serie A season is going to be just as competitive as this one is because no one made money all year. And that's not going to start until next season if we start letting fans back into stadiums, which means I don't foresee a team like Juve that has major gaps in their squad spending big bucks, at least not without maybe if they can sell Ronaldo then then they can do that. And I don't see too many teams spending much money at all either, which to me says that if this season is competitive and no one's changing their squads, then in theory next season should be competitive as well. And some of these coaches that are linked to Napoli are projects. They're not someone you just bring in and magically you start challenging for a Scudetto. You need to build around key players and build, find guys to support their systems and so on. And you know, yeah, I agree. Sassuolo is probably the closest one if you want to go with the the, the Zerbi routes. But that means if you're starting a new project, you're going to waste potentially this opportunity at another competitive season. Uh, so that to me is an argument for keeping Gattuso. It's probably a long shot that you you win the Scudetto, but he still gives you a decent chance of finishing in the top four again. So I, at this point, I'm actually inclined to keep him. You know, I want to bring Jerry into this conversation because, you know, one of the names and obviously there are a lot of names that are going to float around for any club that could have a vacancy at coach. But he mentioned Simone Inzaghi. I've also seen uh, Inzaghi's name brought up in a uh, in a conversation for Juventus, you know, because, uh, you know, obviously there, there there's a bit of a of an Andrea Pirlo issue where the results are not matching the expectations of the squad right now. I think it's pretty fair to say that. After you know falling one nil at home to to Benevento, that uh, that 
you know, Pirlo is going to be on the hot seat there. I've even I've seen Spalletti's name linked to that job. Uh, I've seen Inzaghi's name linked to that job. Now, I think uh, I, I think tactically, um, you know, in, in, I, I could see Inzaghi as a fit at Juventus, honestly, but I, I, I would prefer he stay at Lazio. He, he's done a nice job there. I mean, Jerry, are you thinking there there has to be there has to be the desire to continue long term at that project, right? That that they're 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 committed to Inzaghi. Well, I don't know if he's gonna go to <laughs> SMS and Zaki confront Juventus Sky Toronto. Oh, and, and by the way, I, I saw I saw another kind of kind of wacky thing, and I saw Gab Marcotti weighed in on this on uh, on ESPN FC that uh, you know that there's there's rumors that you know Napoli really like Fonseca who's at Roma right now, and Roma really like Gattuso who's at Napoli right now, so. They they might end up doing what would indirectly be a manager swap, right? Where 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 one, each guy gets sacked and they they switch clubs essentially. I I, I don't that, that you talk about musical managers. That was one of the uh, that was one of the comments we got. Musical musical chairs next season for coaches. That would be musical chairs if you had Fonseca leave Roma for Napoli and Gattuso leave Napoli for Roma. That'd be wild. I don't see anybody going to enter. I'll, I'll rule them out right now. If they win the Scudetto, there is no chance in hell Conte is getting fired, okay? Especially with their financial situation and how much he makes. If he were to get fired, they would have to pay his salary still and pay for a new manager. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. So anybody who thinks Conte is getting fired, keep smoking your cheap cracking or fucking whatever you want to be talking about because and i agree with you by the way whereas you know a few I'm months sorry. ago a few months ago i would have said no matter what happens conte is not going to be your manager next season but i i look at it completely differently now i completely agree with you now jerry i mean he and, and with conte this can always change in a second but in recent weeks he seems happier than he's ever been at inter he's not bitching and moaning about anything i think it's actually benefited conte that they couldn't make moves in January. I, I think forcing him to keep the same squad, I think actually helped the squad because you have continuity because he would have loved to have unloaded Erickson and brought in some other toy, but he was forced to keep him because there wasn't a market for his wages during COVID. Nobody wanted to pick up his seven and a half million euro salary per season. So Conte was forced to work with the same squad when he just loves sake for the sake of change. Oh, and, oh, and, and look at this. They actually start playing better because you have the same players gelling and meshing together. Uh, and he, he actually seems happy right now, and I think Inter are happy with him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting Conte at least one more season as the manager. He might even sign an extension, but I we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think one more year at least, Jerry. Well, I wore a piece earlier in the year for Get Italian Football News, and it basically it was my opinion about why it was the right decision to keep Conte and not fire him. And my main reason was that, it was to win a Scudetto. I think that people overlook the situation and say, oh, we didn't get further into Champions League. He's a failure because we're, we're, we're an inter side who didn't do enough in Champions League. Also remember, that was not a, a, an easy group stage. Like It's a group of death, what they got this year. There was three formidable teams that were not easy to compete with. I think the only mistake he probably you could look at is that he didn't use Christian Eriksen enough. And that could have made a difference in the lineup. But that can't guarantee you a win. You can't look at it like that. It could have maybe backfired and the matchup may not have been worked out for Inter. But the goal is here is that in two seasons, he's on his way to winning a Scudetto. And yeah, okay, 
Coppa Italias are nice. I take a Scudetto over a Coppa Italia any day of the week. And he's doing what – how many managers have, have come to this club in the last, what, nine nine years, decade? More than I can count. Haven't been able to do what he has done in two seasons where he's progressed the young players. He has gotten the, the veterans to, to play their roles or parts and – playing their key parts in games in order to score key goals, make those key challenges. Yeah, everybody can can talk about Vidal and how it's been a, a bad signing, but how about the rest of the signings, how Hakimi has really been good this year. Uh, Screenyard has really been really looking like a, a true center back in that back three. So Barella, I think that had he chosen Milan, he'd probably be the worst player right now in that midfield. Okay, I'm telling you, they would have ruined him. He went to Inter, and they made him better. Conte took this guy and made him good. Sensi, I think this guy would be a good player if he had freaking – if he didn't have legs made out of straws, okay? Like, that's how bad he is. I hate when people say Conte's shit because it. I used to be that guy, and, and it's like, okay, he's shit. I used shit. to be that guy too. Well, how, how can you say he's shit when his resume speaks for itself? And I hate when people say, well, he's had the best players. Anybody can do what they do with the best players. It's not always easy to manage a guy like a Ronaldo, say, where his ego's up his ass, or a Messi who, who's accustomed to playing a certain way and, and wants the team to be around his way. You have to make sure that you can change the way people think, the way they play, the way the, everything around them. Like, it's not that easy. And there, there are challenges when you play with 11 players on the pitch who all think they're the best. And Conte knows how to deal with these people. Look what he did with Marcos Alonso when he was at Chelsea. He he revitalized that guy's career, and he was one of the best wingbacks at that time. When he left, what happened to him? Was nowhere near effective like he was. So I, I personally like Conte. As for Inzaghi, I don't think he's going to go to Juventus because I think this team's on a downhill right now. And... Does Inzaghi want to manage Juventus in the Europa League last year, next year? I honestly am going to say it right this on the record. I really think they're going to Europa League. They're going to Europa League. I don't know, bro. You know know what, man? Hold on. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done with this team because when you lose to Benevento. All bets are off. You're shit. <laughs> uh, no, I'm seriously. Like, what, was, what was what was Benevento? Eleven games winless before they they went to Turin and beat you. I think it was was it eight games or eleven games winless. I think it was eleven. I think it was eleven. They haven't won since January. Something oh like that. I just don't think that Juventus has the the good like the personnel to win games anymore. That midfield is atrocious. Um, their back line, you don't know what Kalini can do any day of the week. Comes in one game, plays next five games, he's missing. Bonucci is no longer that uh, reliable defender. Whenever was actually he had Kalini covering him half the time, so always erased his mistakes. Uh, Delit, I like Delit, but it's only one guy. Demerol, shit, guys, uh, guys, a, a liability in the back end. I thought he was actually going to be a good defender. I think he's kind of a freaking train wreck. Uh, Ronaldo's cancer. It's it's. It's a game that has to be focused towards him. Now, I didn't watch the game yesterday, but based on a lot of what people are saying is that a lot of his shot selection should have been more pass selection, and he didn't make the pass that could have resulted in a goal. Now, you got a guy who plays for his own stats. How is that going to play out 
down the down the stretch of the next 11, 12 games. The guy's thinking for himself. He yeah. is not a team player. And anybody who says that he is better than Messi, you can shove your stupid Euro Cup up your ass that Portugal won in 2016. I don't give a shit about that. The point is, okay, Messi makes players better around him. Ronaldo does it. And this is why I think Juve is now going to hit a downfall because he doesn't make his team better. And that you're going to start to see this now. It's crazy because the match that they lost uh, home against Benevento, that game never, ever gets lost under Allegri. They they didn't even consistently do that. You know, people complained about Sarri. Um, you know, they would they would kill to have the results that they had uh, under Sarri last year. That it's it's a little bit surreal to actually watch Juventus drop points in a game like that. Um, you know, decision making in the final third was poor. A poor performance by Ronaldo and and Joe. I, they, I have a question they, for you guys. What I have a question for both you sure, guys. Sure. It's always a narrative that the team doesn't want to play. For the manager, is it more that maybe the team doesn't want to play for Ronaldo? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying. Let's play. Let's let's turn the tables around. Does the team want to play around Ronaldo? Because I just don't think they're good enough. I mean, I I, I just I really don't. Um, you know, uh, they, they've had some bright spots. I mean, you know, I know that the uh, the American soccer guys listening will say, "What about Weston McKinney, bro?" No, I mean Federico Chiesa has been has been really the biggest bright spot for them. Uh, you know, they've got Kulusevsky playing out of position. He's struggling this year. I mean, Dybala has been, been out injured. Um, you know, their, their midfield, you know, unfortunately for them, is just not poor. In, in fact, they wish that they could have Ronaldo's wages off the books to be able to reinvest some of that money in the midfield because that's the area where they need it most. Yeah, they've got they've got good players on their back line. I mean, Delict is he's still like sick. He's but his child. He's, he's going to get so much better. You know, and uh, and Chiellini can still play, although he's on his swan song. This is going to be his final year. Uh, but they've got talent on the back line. They've obviously got talent up front. I mean, you've got one of the one of the best players ever up front. But like Jerry said, he's really playing for his own stats. You know, I've, I mentioned you guys on a number of occasions. Uh, I think Ronaldo is going to be somewhat happy as long as he wins Capo Cananiere this year, which he's on track to do. And and he gets all of his fanboys to retweet to retweet him on Twitter. He probably cares more about that than winning a Scudetto at this point. But that was just, I mean, Joe, it, it wasn't the type of game in the past I would ever, ever fathom Juventus losing. I mean, they only lose a game like that if it's one of those years where they've got like a 10-point cushion for the Scudetto and they're taking their foot off the gas pedal late in the season. You would never expect them to lose a game like that when they're, you know, chasing first place and they're actually behind. And they've got to do something about Ronaldo taking all the free kicks because they're they're wasting opportunities. He puts all of them into the goddamn wall. I know he scored a handful of screamers, you know, through his you know 18-year career. He scored a handful of screamers on direct free kicks, but the percentages are just not in his favor anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, two things: the Ronaldo free kick taking, and then this. I don't even know what you want to call it, jersey presentation, I guess, at, at the beginning of the game with forgot about you know, that. Agnelli giving Ronaldo a jersey with the number 770 for, I think it's his career goals, and and the name GOAT on the jersey, to and then to go and lose to Benevento really summarizes, it's really symbolic of U.S. season, right? And, you know, yeah, you would never expect this loss except – this is not the first time we've seen Juve this season play like this against some weaker opposition, and they they struggle to create chances, which has been a real big problem for them. 
And I think you can put some of that on Ronaldo. Um, and the fact that Jerry's talked about this previously, where when he's on the field, the strategy is get him the ball. And I can't remember which team it was against where Ronaldo started on the bench. And it was arguably Juve's best game of the season. That's right. And that was largely because I think the player, the rest of the team finally had the freedom to, to make the right decisions. Was it against Lazio? Against Lazio. Oh, it was yeah. the last game. Against right. Lazio. Yeah. It sucks for Jerry that imagine who would have thunk their best it game. Sucks, but Jerry, Jerry wishes Ronaldo started that game. Right, absolutely. Because the yeah. way they yeah. when he's on the field, it's just get him the ball. And even on the broadcast, there was one play where Ronaldo carried towards the byline and he had Morata in front of the goal. But of course, he's Ronaldo, so he elected to shoot. And even the commentators said, you know, if those roles were reversed, if Ronaldo was in front of the goal and Morata had the ball, and Morata took that shot, Ronaldo would have been furious. And it's true. So this team has become more about this one player. And and that doesn't mean, you know, not that I want to get into this discussion again about is it Ronaldo's fault? There's plenty of other areas on this team of weakness. Uh, we talked the midfield, Pirlo, Ronaldo, all of this, they all contribute management for, for not bringing in the right players and so on. So you can't just pin it all on one thing. Yeah. But when you put it all together you have a team that's struggling right now. Yeah. And I, I, I was just so shocked seeing that finish one nil. I mean, it's a, it's obviously, it's a huge result for Inter. It's, you know, it's a good result for Milan. You know, I, I guess, I guess anybody outside of the top four could say, Hey, maybe there's a hope Juventus can drop out of top four. I'm not expecting that. I still think they'll finish in the top four, but, but that was a big result. And uh, I, I do want to, uh, to mention, guys, the fact that you know I, I enjoyed you know watching some of these games. I enjoyed watching Juve lose. I enjoyed watching Napoli against Roma. I was able to go after the fact and catch a little bit of Lazio Udinese. Although watching Udinese play anybody is, is a recipe for slumber. It's not really a habit that I like to make. Yeah, I enjoyed watching some of these other games. I watched Milan against Fiorentina. Uh, I, I was certainly you know a little bit bored and a little bit bummed not to be able to watch Inter. And I know it's going to be a couple more weeks. Since I can see them, and and oh by the way, I'm I'm certainly not uh, you know not enjoying this great advantage that uh, that Inter had from not playing that game. To be completely honest, uh, I I wish they could have played Sassuolo on Saturday. I mean that Sassuolo had to make up a midweek game against Torino, so their legs would have been more tired. Yeah, Handanovic wouldn't have played. Uh, I actually would have liked to have seen Radu get a little bit of run because he hasn't stepped on the pitch this year. Like I I, I wanted to see if. See if you could shake the cobwebs off. And yeah, DeVry would have been out. You know, uh, Vicino, who hasn't even played, uh, you know, because because uh, he he had the, the surgery, but he's got, he had COVID. And D'Ambrosio, who probably wouldn't have played very much, has COVID as well. But, you know, yeah, I mean, even without Handanovic and without DeVry, I actually would have preferred to play Sassuolo on Saturday, get the game out of the way, because now it's going to be made up in April. And the fixture list in April is going to be jammed. So, you know, for everybody talking about all this huge advantage, Inter didn't have to play the game. I honestly would have preferred to play the game on Saturday rather than make it up. And, uh, you know, and that was one of the things that uh, Andrea Pirlo talked about this lucky COVID outbreak. Uh, he should have been more worried about preparing for Benevento because he said that before uh, his team dropped points to the 16th place team in Serie A. And, you know, I know that and I do want to get into guys a discussion about you know, the COVID issue for Inter and the travel ban. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll play the role of, of defense attorney and remind people, because I see a lot of the banter on Twitter, 
that, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't Inter who chose not to play this game. Even Conte said something similar to what I just said. He actually wanted to play the game. He didn't he didn't want to have to uh, to push this back to a later date. He wanted to get it over with, um, you know, but I see a lot of people complaining. Oh, we had this many COVID cases and we had to play and they've got four and they didn't have to play. I mean, Inter played the first Milan derby with six players out, and uh, they had to have Kolarov starting in the back line, who was responsible for both of those goals. I, I didn't use it as an excuse then. I'm only reminding you about it now. Uh, and again, it wasn't Inter who chose not to play this game. Their local authorities would not let them travel for it, and Serie A promptly rescheduled the game. And then the other thing that people bring up as an advantage is, oh, well, look, now you know, their their players are not going to have to travel for international duty. Well, it turns out they are, right? Because I see the, the coach of every international team still calling up Inter's players, and now apparently the protocol is, you know, I, I think, uh, like I saw Mancini, who's going to, he called up um, Sensi. I'm sure he's going to break Sensi in half. If, if Sensi actually plays, uh, he's going to suffer some other muscular injury. You're never going to see the fucking guy again. He gets hurt every time he steps out of the field. But he called up uh, Sensi, Barella, and I think maybe one other uh, one other that I'm forgetting, and he is expecting them to arrive. So at the end of the day, even the advantage of, you know, Inter's players not having to go for international duty like Lukaku is going, these guys are still going to have to go on their international duty after all. Um, but, yeah, listen, I, I'm not saying I don't understand, right, because – if if I were the fan of another club and, you know, because they're Inter had bad COVID problems early in the season. It's been a long time. They've had a pretty healthy squad since the early part of the season. So I, I get it. If I'm a fan of Milan and my team's been ravaged by injuries and we've had a lot of COVID and we've still had to play, I get it being pissed, you know, that all oh, these guys get to take a game off when they've got four cases. What about me when we had five cases we had to play? I understand that, but I mean, at it, it, the end of the day, uh, Jerry, it's it's banter for the sake of banter because the advantage is not really there. Like people can talk about, oh, Inter are getting favored and they're you know nine points now, six points because they do have the game in hand atop the table, and and they're the you know the local politicians are bending backwards for them. At the end of the day, none of this stuff is really an advantage because their players still have to go on interna international duty. At least the ones who don't have COVID, I'm sure De Vrij is not going to join the Netherlands, but they, they still have to go on international duty. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to play this game against Sassuolo in a more congested month. So this doesn't end up benefiting Inter in the end of the day, I don't believe. I don't give all this freaking coronavirus cases and I, I'm so sick of it. I've been asked 20 times, do I think Latito is guilty? And let me tell you something. How the Fuck would I know if he's guilty or not? Like, do I know what these guys do in the labs? Like, I'm sorry, Lazio is not the first team to have these results mix. And like, and, and, and the problem is, UEFA says one thing, Serie A says another thing. There's so much communication that at the end of the day, they may be telling the truth, and now they're just being pinpointed because of what their history is like, and they're just an easy team to target. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know. I just don't like to answer it because when the court case happens on Friday, and, and I feel pretty confident because Latito oh, has yeah, given all this week, it, isn't it? It's this week. Ooh. But if you're giving all evidence, you got defendants, you got everything that you're giving it to them. To me, it shows that you're not hiding anything and you've been doing what you're supposed to do. If anybody wants my opinion. Now, in regards to these games being rescheduled, it's all stupid because finally 
City I got it right after the third try and didn't intervene and say we don't know. The Torino Lazio match should have been postponed. I'm sorry. Now a lot of Lazio fans don't want it postponed. But if the ASL is is declining you, think about if you were on the opposite end of being Lazio and you weren't allowed to travel to Torino now. I'm sure that if the tables were reversed, you would want that game to be rescheduled now. Yeah. So you have to be considerate. Now the problem is that Torino Lazio are a much different case compared to Sassuolo Inter and Napoli, well, Napoli Juventus was probably is similar to Lazio Torino, where there is this rivalry where Cairo and Lotito don't get along. So now Lotito has a 19-page book, and they have a case of an appeal on Monday trying to get the forfeit win. I don't know what the heck he has built up for 19 pages, <laughs> what his case is. This is a vendetta. Yeah, 60 font. It's it's the <laughs> stupidest thing. I'm sorry. It, it's two Italians were it, – and I don't think he would have done this had Cairo's newspaper attacked Latito with the whole COVID and having Chiro Immobile playing. I think that if it was given another team, I, I personally do believe that Latito probably would have rescheduled the game. Now, because it's Cairo – it's a whole different situation and he's taking it out on him now. And now he's got this whole 19 page book. What the heck? I don't know. Probably about opening a McDonald's or something, but I, I just don't understand. And this all couldn't have been avoided had Napoli's game just been rescheduled from the beginning. Right. And we didn't have to, these games will all be played already before the break. I'll tell you right now. The inter game in Lazio would probably would have been rescheduled maybe this week on Wednesday. Lots uh Napoli would have played on Wednesday or even earlier. Um just just in uh, in, in general. It's just it and Joe said it perfect to me a while back. It, it's no longer becoming about the situation that you want to limit the cases, you want to limit players from it's just becoming more personal where they want to use it as a way to get an easy forfeit win and that's it that's the problem here where a team not i wouldn't say enter because conte actually publicly stated that he wanted to play the match for a guy like like Lazio are looking to get the free forfeit um juventus wanted the free forfeit win like okay. these teams wanted it and a lot of a lot of and i get it Lazio did the same thing like Juventus where their players showed up. Do I approve of that? Not really. But at the same time, you're doing what you have to as a player, that you're showing up and you're trying to cover your own self because you're you're there to play. You're you're the home team. But at the end of the day, I think that these teams, people have to start realizing the bigger picture and not make it so personal. Yeah, well, and, and the problem is, you know, every every arm that's involved with this from the local governments who all approach it different ways. I'm sure many of these municipalities are probably more organized and handle these things better than others, um, you know, to to Serie A, the Lega. I mean, everybody handles this differently. No one's in lockstep. And I, I know it's unprecedented. We've never been through something like this before, but still they had plenty of time to make a protocol because we we've known about covid now for well over a year i mean in italy it's been 
15 months since they've they've known that this is or could be a problem and and joe it, you know your, your your napoli squad were one of the first who was uh who was affected you know by this in terms of you know not being allowed to travel to a game and that led to the whole mess which was really the first time city had to deal with it and they you know they they tried to force the forfeit they had the the three nil victory for juve a point deducted from napoli napoli won the appeal so how do you feel about the way that this is now being handled handled from the inter sassuolo standpoint well, I think Serie at least showed some signs of progress by actually postponing the match. That was the most shocking thing to me because yeah, same here. they held firm with the Lazio game where it kind of felt like, well, we said Juve and Napoli have to play, so now we got to hold the line and, and say Torino-Lazio had to play. And again, at least it seems like each, each case we're getting closer and closer to the right decisions being made. It took Napoli – three levels of appeals to get that match rescheduled and the point returned. It only took Torino one level of appeal. The the sports judge, which is the first level, right away said that match has to be replayed. Um, and then you get to the Inter match where it doesn't even get to the appeals process because Serie finally said, okay, we have two precedents. So even though it's an unprecedented situation, we have precedents. Um <laughs> So, you know, I think we're getting there. I, I agree. I mean, like I said, yeah, has constantly made ridiculous decisions and it's hard to figure out sometimes. Even with the protocol, they write a protocol that says you're only allowed to postpone one match due to COVID cases, aside from, you know, if a, a local health authority gets involved. But just in terms of if you have 10 plus COVID cases, you're only allowed to postpone one match. Um, and Torino did, used that the match before the Lazio game, I, I believe it was the Sassuolo match. Yeah, which they just made up last week. Yeah. Right. And then the league didn't think that, you know, it takes a lot longer than three days to recover from COVID. And sometimes it takes three weeks longer. And when you're playing a condensed schedule, what different, you know, how can you only be permitted one postponement? Three days later, you have another match and the same 10 guys are still, still positive And, you know, that's where you start to develop all these conspiracy conspiracy theories as to why these health authorities are getting involved. I mean, that was all the talk with, with the Napoli's game that De Laurentiis is telling the health authority to to not let them travel. There's all these crazy theories out there. You know, is did the health authority in uh, Torino not let them travel for the for some reason other than health? Who knows? But I think in the end we're we're starting to to get some right decisions. I think now that while it's unfortunate, pretty much every team, every Italian team has been knocked out of European competition. Rome is the only one left. That yeah. does mean there are other dates uh, available to have some of these matches for the bigger clubs at least. Um, there was plenty of of controversy around Napoli's second re- postponement of the Juve game as well, and and Roma was all pissed off about that as well. So it's. It seems like it's just one thing after another, um, and we just got to deal with it. So you know, you, you brought up international duty, and, and that's a good segue. Because Hold on. I want to I want to cap off one last thing. Sure. And since that Joe's on on here, I think that a lot of Juventus fans need to stop uh, picking on Napoli and, and blaming them for for the cause of how this all started and how Napoli sh- how Juventus should have had the four points. Because I see that a lot on Twitter. I, and I see that they, they still show a lot of resentment to that. And I think it's they still would, they still would be uh, way out of the Scudetto race. I mean, we're looking at error at this point. I, I just think it's a bunch of bullshit because if I'm Napoli, 
I, I wouldn't hope that not Lazio does the same thing. I'm gonna be honest. I would any team in that position, not just Napoli, is gonna do the same thing, where the ASL is gonna block them, and whatever the case may have been with De Laurentiis canceling the play, I get why he did. We don't know what happens behind the reasoning. We don't know what goes on. I think that a lot of people just are so quick to judge because of the rivalry between uh, Napoli and Juventus. I think it's all bullshit. But um, at the end of the day, you do the appeal. You do your due process. If if legal justice is there to, to prove your point and win your case, you go for it. If you have to go up and above to Kwani and whatever the hell the legal channels are, you do it. I, I think that had it been reversed, we'd be hearing the opposite of hearing that, oh, Juventus, this, this, and that. Well, how, how come they get it? So at the end of the day, it, it, it becomes so annoying now that I don't think Napoli ever did anything wrong doing. They did everything legal, and that's it. And I, and I think that Juventus hate it because they lost, and they hate losing. Yeah, I mean, you never like you said, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but the – the thing that's left a sour taste in my mouth is even after Napoli won their appeal, there was this sort of general consensus around the league that this decision was made just because people were tired of Napoli complaining. Um, and that's, you know, the appeals processes are, processes are there for a reason. And I've actually read all the court cases and a lot of people haven't. Um, so they, they're kind of arguing a little bit ignorantly, even some very prominent podcasters that I've had debates with online and then they say something like oh well we all know that De Laurentiis is corrupt or we all know De Laurentiis has the the ASLs in his pocket and it's it's like okay well why even argue with someone that's going to make that argument at that point yeah like, you're, you're not going to change their mind. mind yeah um so I've gotten used to it at this point it's unfortunate I mean I, I agree we're all tired of it we all just want, want to go back to normal and, and get some fans back in the well, and, and my thing on the Napoli situation was um and and maybe it's easy for me to say this because I'm not a Juventus fan and I wasn't saying oh god I need these four points I want to keep these four points but the, the way that I looked at it as uh I mean you can call me impartial I'm a little bit of a U of a hater but just just assume I'm impartial the way that I looked at it from the beginning was Napoli are morally in the right. Like I, they, they, they morally did the right thing. They, they were banned from traveling due to a pandemic and how they should not be spreading that pandemic to another part of Italy. Morally, if you all banter aside, morally it made sense when, when your local government tells you not to travel and they have the presumably the best interest of public health in mind, you're, you're doing the right thing. And morally, you should not be docked a point. And, you know, given a forfeit loss due to that. So my take always was morally Napoli are in the right. I just didn't expect them to win the appeals because that yeah. you don't you, appeals are usually made to be lost in these cases. <laughs> right. I, I was just very surprised that they actually won. So, like, I, I never I never looked at this from a standpoint in like, oh, ADL is being corrupt and how dare, how dare they. I mean, from the get go, I thought Napoli are morally in the right here. I just was honestly, honestly surprised when they won their appeal uh, finally. But yeah, I, I want to segue into Italian clubs in Europe. You know, Joe mentioned it. The, the only team left are, are Roma and kudos to them. Uh, you know, unfortunately the bigger headline would be, you know, you initially had four Italian teams in champions league. I mean, uh, Inter couldn't even get past the group stage, tough group, like Jerry said, but no excuses. They should have advanced through that group because at the end of the day, it was two goalless draws, with Shakhtar that knocked them out, and that should have never happened. Um, and then, you know, uh, Lazio, Juventus, surprisingly enough, against Porto. 
um, and uh, and Atalanta all get knocked out in the round of 16. And then you have just one last team standing being uh, being Roma in Europa League after Napoli had been knocked out and Milan get knocked out by Manchester United. So, you know, uh, Joe, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, is this is this a symptom of a huge problem? Because people are making it out to be that way. And, and you start to analyze, you know, the Italian style that, you know, outside of Atalanta, who don't really play this way, you know, more more of the, uh, you know, the Catenaccio DNA, which doesn't really work in Europe, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, the Italian style is antiquated and they can't keep up with some of these foreign clubs, specifically the English clubs. I mean, is it really is it really a systemic issue, or can I say, you know, I, I can remember two years ago when the two Champions League finalists were both English teams, and the two Europa League finalists were both English teams, and I can remember people reacting two years ago saying, "Oh my God, English football! Nobody else can compete with them. They're on top of the world. Nobody, else, you know, English team will have all English finals forever." And then you know, the next year there are no English teams even in the semifinal of Champions League. So is this? Is this bad luck? Is this cyclical? Or is there really a serious issue with the way Italian clubs play football? You know, out, again, outside of outside of Atalanta, but they probably really don't have the horses, you know, uh, to, to get through, you know, the round of 16 year after year. They did it last year, but uh, they don't really have the talent. Is this a big Italian football problem or can we kind of write this off as a bit of a coincidence and a bit unlucky? It's so hard to say. I... I, I'm inclined to say this is a one-off. I mean, in the last couple of years, we haven't really had too many teams go that deep in European competition. I mean, while well, Inter went to the final of the Europa League, Juve has not done that great in the Champions League lately, and everyone else really hasn't done a whole lot. Napoli are kind of a around the 16 type of team, and even in the Champions League and now in the Europa League, which was a, a bit of a shocker for us. I I'd like to think that Part of this is how competitive Serie A has been this season, and and maybe that's drained these teams a little bit. Um, you know, you look at the other leagues. There's there is more parity than maybe in previous seasons, but not as much. Like you know, we we're back to having the seven sisters, right? I don't think we have that in some of the other leagues. I think the EPL just has so much more money that those clubs are always going to have a better chance of going deeper in European competition. Um, you can probably make the same argument for Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain, though Atlético Madrid has done well, Sevilla has done really well in, in Europa League, um, and then again, like beyond Bayern Munich, you know the other the other German teams, um, Dortmund, Leipzig, they they do okay, but not necessarily that much better than the second or third or fourth place teams in in Italy do. So. I'm, I'm hoping it's not a systemic issue. We are producing a lot of talented young players these days. It's not like that stretch of time where we just didn't seem to produce anything. Uh, so I'm going to hope that this is just a one-off and, and not uh, a system, some systematic, uh, sorry, systemic issue. Yeah. And, and I would honestly, I, I would tend to agree with you because uh, you know, if you can have a, a couple of teams make a decent run next year. You know, if, if Juventus can get their heads out of their asses in Champions League, because it's obviously the last few years have been incredibly disappointing for them. You know, if uh, you know, if, if you can have like, uh, you know, if, if Milan could make or you know, they've got this Champions League DNA that I hear so much about seven titles. Uh, I think they're going to be back in Champions League next year. Maybe they make a run. Maybe Jerry's Lazio or your Napoli can make a run. 
Uh, I think if if you get if you get a couple teams that can make a deep run next year in Champions or Europa League, it's going to make a lot of people forget about this narrative. What do you think about all this, Jerry? Is this, is this a big problem with Italian football from a tactical sense, or is the disappointment in this in in, uh, in Europe this year more of a one off? We're all shit. Straight up. All the Italian teams are shit when it comes to like international play. Like when it comes to European, we're so pragmatic. We're so we're so predictable. Pass back to the goalkeeper 25 times. Move it back down to the middle. We don't tack the final third. Move it back. I see it with Lazio a lot. I see it with Roma a lot. It's like the Italian football league. It's like we every game I watch, it's start from the back, move to the foot to the front. It's it's the same thing. I saw it with Napoli. You know what? With Napoli yesterday, I thought they, they played a little bit much different. They were more on the front foot in the first half and didn't really resort to playing towards their goalkeeper. Um, they attacked much more in the first half. And in the second half, don't think that Napoli was outplayed. It, it's just common that when you're up to nothing, you kind of sit back and you absorb the pressure and you try to wait for that counterattack play what actually happened in the second half. I thought they had a few chances, Napoli, where they should have converted for a third goal. But I'd like to see not the first half of Napoli more in European Champions League kind of play where you're attacking. Don't be scared. Uh, I know I make fun of the EPL, and I think that it's been garbage this year. I'll be honest. I'll be the first. But when it comes to European play, they show up, and they they bring results. They get to the next round. They get at least to the round of eight, and that's significant when you're when you're a team who spends a considerable amount of money and need to have a return on your investment. And, and I know Joel has mentioned to me before that if if Juventus doesn't make it to the round of eight, it hurts their pockets big yeah. time because they're not making that money back. Who are considered to be a, I think a top ten team who spend a lot of money, so. Um, when I hear that Lazio shouldn't be in Champions League because they're not strong enough, I laugh when I hear that because you 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 don't want them, but they need to be there just as much as any other team because no, that, that makes you strong. If, if you if you can make a run where you make Champions League two, three, four years in a row, then you can exactly. make yourself stronger. Uh, like I, I just laugh think too is at least for I know you know Juve lost to Porto. Um, but some of our teams didn't exactly get the best draws this round. You know, Atalanta got Real Madrid. Now, at that stage, pretty much every team is is going to be a tough team to beat. Um, yeah. But they weren't that far off. You know, they only lost the first leg one nil, and then it was just a stupid mistake that cost them that second goal. Maybe that things could have gone differently had they not conceded that goal. And then Milan, I think, was the better team over the two legs against Manchester United. Yeah. Just they weren't able to advance. Um, so, you know, we could have been looking at a situation where where we had, say, three teams advancing to the quarterfinals, and maybe we wouldn't even have this discussion at that point, right? Yeah. I, I wish Lazio had Real Madrid. I, I, I do feel that... They you got have the worst draw possible. I mean, you, you, you were, you're a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> I, think, I didn't even mention Lazio getting Bayern Munich. That's right. I think Lazio yeah. could have... Made it much closer and could have competed with Byron had we never started Patrick or Musaki on the first leg. I think that was the biggest mistake. Um, the problem was we lost Radu right before we had our first leg against Byron, right a week before, which killed them. 
and then you had to resort to either Patrick or Musacchio in the back. And I would have preferred Wesley Hoot. And all these are all ifs, but it, it, it is what it is. And that's what happens when you don't buy enough quality defensemen. We lost Luis Felipe for three months. So Inzaghi was in a tough decision, in a tough, in a tough uh, position. What he could have probably done, and, and I wish he had thought about it earlier, was using Adam Marisic in that back end as he did against Juventus and he did in the second leg against Byron. It's not what you want to do to kind of weaken your wing back positions, but it is what it is. And um, we'll see what happens next year. I, I personally see of all the teams that are on a decline, it's Juventus. I think there's a lot of question marks this summer. And, and a, and like Joe said, with a pandemic and, I don't think there's going to be a lot of buyers. So how does Juventus get rid of all those players? And you can't buy another manager because you're still paying Saudi. And right. Saudi doesn't go. I was just reading a, just a headline that, yeah, Inzaghi is one of the managers. But who's to say that they're going to pay Inzaghi the type of money he knows he can get from Juventus? Do you think he's going to go there for $2.5 million? He's going to expect big money going to Juventus. Yeah, in, in fact, Jerry, I'm going, to, I'm going to read you. I think this may be the article you're referring to from uh, Football Italia. Yeah, they I was named, just the yeah, yeah. They, they, they named the uh, the three-man shortlist of replacements for Pirlo, and they, they go out of their way to mention, you know, due, due to the budget constraints, you know, don't be expecting Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp, uh, where the, the realistic names are, you mentioned Inzaghi is on the shortlist. Um, um, Inzaghi, Gasperini, or Luciano Spalletti. By, by the way, I, I would love to see Spalletti. And it's not because I think he'd do terribly there. I just think Spalletti at Juventus would just – there'd be something hilarious about that if he wound up at Juventus. I mean, I, I think he may be able to do something there. I, I think, you know, Spalletti, oh, he doesn't win Scudetti and all that. When has he ever had a squad, you know, with with the with the branding and the capability of Juventus? So that would be an interesting one to see. Can you imagine how much Jerry would hate Juve if Gasparini was the coach? Oh my god! <laughs> I actually have so much respect for Atalanta. I would cheer for Atalanta in all games again. I have no disrespect to the team. I just hate their manager. Mm. I, I, you know what? I hated Conte at one time. And I grew on him. It's the opposite with Gus. Grew right? on you. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you grew on him. He loves you now, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea about you, Jerry. But, but, but um, with uh, with Gasparini, like there's just nothing about him that everybody talks about how good he is and how he's been able to make Atalanta so good. Yeah, that's great. That's dandy. What they win. I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're able to transpire on the field. If you don't bring results by winning trophies, you're meaningless to me. I'm sorry. He doesn't have a plan B. Am I right about that? The, the, one of the things why I think Gasparini is so overrated, uh, his his plan A is beautiful football. Like He, he plays an attacking style you don't commonly see in Serie A. And when he has the right players to fit his system, when things are working, they're scoring tons of goals. But the problem that I have with Gasparini and the weird thing, the way this guy's praised in the media, like they seem to love the fact that he doesn't have a plan B. It's like, oh man, even when even when Atalanta are outmatched, they're going to attack. I, even if they lost 
five to two. Oh my God. They they were they were going for goal. They kept a high line the entire game. They were count they were caught on the counter four times and they lost by three goals. But look at how beautiful they're playing. Can't you say that Gasperini is um he is married to his tactics to a fault that you have to be pragmatic enough to take a more defensive approach sometimes if you're not the more talented squad. You can praise his beautiful football. You can praise the style he plays. When it's working, it looks awesome. When it's working and he's winning games four to one, five to one, oh, tactical masterclass. But then he loses a game, you know, four to two, and oh my God, he he didn't uh, he didn't budge from his tactics for one second. I think one of the most important traits you can have if you want to be an elite manager is you have to know when to be pragmatic. Sometimes it's better to win ugly than lose pretty. Yeah, the one thing I would say though is don't look now because Gasparini started a four-man back line of center backs against Hellas Verona and, and they right. got a win. So maybe he's showing signs that that he can mix it up a little bit. But I tend to agree. It's it's that one approach. And if it's not working, you can pretty much tell from the opening whistle when Atalanta is going to draw points because they just look flat. They look yep. like they're out of ideas and out of ideas meaning for they they don't know how to change it up they they have a lot of guys that are like for like replacements which doesn't help when that tactic is not working you're just replacing guys that play the same system with the same guys essentially off the bench maybe just fresher legs I'll, I'll, I'll go off the limb here. I'll even say that Juventus wins the Coppa Italia versus Atalanta and I was just thinking about it right now there is what two months until they play that game I would oh, say, it yeah, it's right. Before, I think it's right before the final game of the season. Okay. So here, here's my predicament on this. Here, okay, Dybala will be healthy by then. Arturo will be healthy by then. And all he was really bad actually. I, I didn't watch the game. I just criticized him for that pass. Oh, he was, like, was terrible. And and, and that was one of the worst. If if he if he was playing for the other team, that would have been a great. If he was a Benevento player, that would have been the pinpoint assist. Well, the irony was that earlier in the week, Juve posted an article on their official website praising Artur for being the most accurate passer in the league based on pass completion percentage or something like that. And then, and then he, he makes was, that play. I, I'll say this. He was he just came back from an injury. He's probably not even fully fit. They're probably rushing him back because they probably don't have any other options in that midfield. Who knows? They've been banged up a lot. So I'll give him the credit where it's due, right? And I won't judge because I didn't watch the game. I just saw that pass, and it was horrendous. I just saw the exactly. highlight. Credit to uh, Uncle Sharma for, for sharing that video and allowing me to rip on it. That but, is the content uh, I'm here for, Sharma. You keep posting shit like that, your account's going to get huge. Yeah. Uh, anytime I catch a video like that, I'm, I'm, I'm on it, man. Just like I saw that Ronaldo uh, – picture yesterday you you posted and i and i jumped on like three tweets on that <laughs> and you saw you saw where i got that tweet that was one of these the most disgusting people on the internet are the ronaldo fanboys you know the people who don't care what team he plays for like i'm not even talking about juventus fans because yeah. a lot of juventus fans are, are not the biggest ronaldo fans right now but these ronaldo fanboys who do not care what team he plays for they do not care what place the team is that he plays for all they care about are how many goals he's scoring and, and whether or not he has a smile on his face or not. And, and one of those Ronaldo fanboy accounts, which I, I believe that they're children living in, in their parents' basements, all of them, like they're not real people, these Ronaldo fanboy accounts. And one of them posted this photo of Ronaldo who played like shit yesterday. He's got like, he looks all sad. He's got his hand, 
you know, his face buried in his hand. And they're like, oh, it just it makes me so sad to see Ronaldo like this. And then I read the comments to the tweet and there are all these guys like, oh, he's got to get out of that club. He's got to go and play for this, that he deserves better than this. I mean, as if he's not at fault whatsoever, you know, losing to Benevento one nil. And yeah, Jerry, I, I retweeted that. That they're like, "Oh, it's so sad to see Ronaldo like this." And I, I tweeted out saying, "I'm perfectly fine seeing him like this. I, I'm, I'm good." I, I just think that come May, I think that they'll have enough players by then to be more healthier. And that one game may just be a lot, depending for like Pirlo that he needs to like prove that he can do something with this team. And winning the Coppa Italia may salvage something for him. Maybe it won't, but I, I just don't see Juventus losing that game. I think by then, they'll have the lip back. They'll have a lot of key players that they don't have right now and a, and a lot of time in order to be in form. Maybe it might hurt their season because along the way, that it's going to be a progress to get them back. But when it comes down to one game and only one game, I never count out Juventus. Like, that's... You don't count them up. If you look at that schedule, I think I want to say the last three or four games of the season are two games a week. Yeah, and it's a bit yeah. of an awkward place. And if this sort of top four race goes down to the to the final week, it'll be interesting to see who these clubs who they play in that match. Because do you play your best squad for? Imagine we're in a situation where. This is, I, again, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's played in between match days 37 and 38. You're right. You're right. And so imagine a situation where both Atalanta and Juve need a win on the final match day to qualify for the Champions League. What what takes priority? Winning a cup, but it's the Coppa Italia, or finishing in the top four? Uh, or you know, maybe because it's a yeah, lot. I think it's different. I think it's different for either club. I, am I crazy to say that for Atalanta? Because when was the last time they won a trophy? Like sixty years ago. I, I I think for them, honestly, I could maybe see them prioritizing Copa. Is is that a crazy thing to say? Because like it's so important to be top four every year, but. For a team that hasn't won a trophy in so long, may, maybe Atalanta would would prioritize Coppa Italia and Juventus would because uh, you know they they've got they've got a gigantic trophy cabinet. May, maybe they would prioritize making Champions League. Is that is that wild to say that Atalanta may prioritize that trophy? No, I think that's true because Atalanta rested players in Serie A so they could play their best eleven against Napoli in the Coppa Italia. That's right, I forgot about that around the sixteen or quarterfinals, whatever it was. So I I definitely and Gasparini said we want to win a, a cup. We need to win a cup, so I agree with that, Alex. Before we uh, we wrap it up, trophies. Remember that they love yeah. they love hardware. I will never. I, as much as Juventus has been bad in the season, when it comes to a one game trophy showdown, I never will rule out Juventus because it's 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 not like you need to win the next eleven games in order to start making ground. Like the season's much longer and one of the most difficult things. When it comes to a trophy, it's one game and only one game. Oh, here's another thing. Do you think that Juventus will lose back to back Coppa Italia finals? There's another thing now. This year, anything's possible with Juventus. They lost last year. Do you think they'll lose again this year? Ah, that's tough. Did, man. I they did you think they'd lose to to uh Benevento at home? Anything can happen with this team. You're right. It's the season. When it comes to like playoffs, it's like Champions League. I, I 
form and everything. Like you, you switch off. The whole league switches off and becomes a whole separate thing where it's like a fresh start. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I just well, because it's the last two games of the season. You could probably just play your best eleven for both games. I mean, that's another. True. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, Jerry, before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to give you the opportunity to break in a new segment because we, we, we've been doing this in our group chat. Oh, Do you have a chooch of the week? Oh, man, chooch of the week, man. Oh, I didn't even think about it. You know, I, I'll give it to Ronaldo. <laughs> Good choice. Ronaldo, fuck it, man. Just give it to Ronaldo. I, I didn't even think about it, but just just because we're talking about his pitcher and how shitty he was yesterday, I'll go based on what you guys said watching the game. My <laughs> chooch of the week will be Ronaldo. Screw it, man. Freaking guy's a chooch. It, it's it's hard to do better than that. I mean, uh, you 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 could you could give it maybe uh, you know no no disrespect to Napoli's victory, but maybe give it to Roma because the, oh, yeah, these Roma. guys, you know, my, my my god, I mean they 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 can't buy a win against the top six, but. I would uh, not not to pile on Juventus, but I, I would consider Pirlo as well. Not not that not that he did anything like individually egregious with the way he managed that game, but all the complaining that he did before the match about you know Inter's uh, what he referred to as a lucky COVID outbreak, and then you know you're going to complain about uh, about what's going on with Inter, and then you can't take three points at home against the 16th place team in the league. Yeah, I, I think Pirlo deserves a, chow, a shout for Chooch of the Week as well. But we'll give it to Ronaldo. I think he deserves it. I, I like the Roma one. No, I, I, I didn't <laughs> think about that, man. That's so good. I forgot. They can't beat a top seven team, man. They can't. Yeah. Top eight, top nine. We'll go you top nine. Because he could have the right for that pass. Arthur. Yeah, Arthur as well. Yeah, Arthur. Shout. That was a top-notch pass. That's my goal to the week. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, <laughs> oh, Roma is so shit, eh? They are, they are fucking garbage. I'm sorry, man. Like, I hate when people say that this team is so up and coming. They got Gianluca Mancini. Oh, he's good. Spinozola is good. Uh, we got uh, Ibanez. Yeah, Ibanez is good. You know what, man? I, I do. I do feel bad for them that every time like Zaniolo can't can't keep the knees healthy. Like I feel bad. I'm not. I'm not even saying like he individually would make them necessarily a Champions League team by himself. But I feel so bad for them because he he's their young, best, most exciting player. And every time the guy gets on the pitch, he he tears a knee. It's really awful. I don't think they're a good team. I can pull a banter today between obviously between Napoli and Roma Twitter and. You saw a lot of Roma defenders saying, "Oh, we're we're carrying the Italian teams in in European competition now because they're the the last ones." But I think that's yeah. really a reach. Oh God! I just realized my. Uh, hold on, I, I, I got to wrap it up because my uh, my laptop's gonna die. I left the uh, I left the charger, so it's it's literally, <laughs> literally gonna die in like thirty seconds. Hold on. He, uh, check out check out Joe at Joe underscore Fischetti and the Fortsanopoli pod. Check out Jerry, of course, at J Mancini eight. Check me out at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D O N N O. Trying to see if my uh, yeah, my, my 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 charger's not even in the room with me. I got I got to wrap it up, guys. Huge thanks to Jerry and Joe, and we and, and thanks to everyone who joined in on the chat. We will talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.